for joining me on episode 95 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today we welcome back Callie Logan. She's an author, communicator, history teacher, and I reluctantly, I'm not sure if she would enjoy me saying this, but I reluctantly call her a singleness expert. Callie shares with us on Singleness Awareness Day all the singleness cliches and expectations, but also the purpose of singleness, all from a biblical perspective. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast, where I welcome back Callie Logan all the way. Oh my gosh, Callie, did I'm trying to remember you're in Virginia, right? I am. Oh, my gosh. And you teach U.S. history, which I'm totally jealous of. Not the fact that you're a teacher, but that you teach U.S. history because I'm a history nerd. And so you're kind of in the epicenter a little bit of U.S. history living in Virginia, I'm assuming. Just about. It's an interesting place to live for history. I mean, you can't walk out your back door without having either some battlefield or some indigenous tribe that lived there or something. Everything is history. Yeah, that, okay. That's kind of my, my dream area right now. But you're also a speaker. You're a writer. You've written for Crosswalk.com. You have been on the 700 Club, featured on Propel Women. You're the author of Hang In There, Girl, and Dear Future Husband, which we are going to get into in a little bit. But we're going to be just having a conversation about this uniqueness of singleness. And I think this has been a hot topic in the church for a long time. Just the pressure or the non-pressure of what we should and shouldn't do as Christians. And really, it it's not even just a hot topic in the church. I think it is outside the church as well, because everybody has an opinion about being single, about being married. But I just kind of want to hear from you and your background, your experience of what pressure have you felt? Well, I guess, first of all, let me ask you this. How old are you? Uh, 31. You're 31. Okay. So I'm making an assumption here that there has been quite a bit of pressure since the age of 18 of when are you getting married? Am I right? Yeah, I would say probably around 21. Oh, um, is okay. When the heat kind of started to turn up. I, I think just family-wise and uh, the school I was going to and culture and different stuff like that. It was, it, I kind of saw that dial shift at 21, mm-hmm. I would say for sure. That's, that's interesting at 21. And maybe it's because that's when you're legally allowed to drink. And I don't know, people just to see you more as an adult and ready to be married at 21. Do you think that there is a lot of pressure inside the church, not just on you, but in general for people to get married? I would say so. I think that, you know, especially in kind of church culture and in the circles, um, there's that thought of when are you getting married? And if you're not married, kind of, are you, are you trying? Are you meeting people? Have you joined the singles group, this, that, and the other? Uh, so there definitely is that spoken and unspoken pressure that's just felt. Yeah. Well, I find that sometimes odd because... What if you just haven't met anybody? Like sometimes it's not your it's not your choice that you're not married. You just maybe haven't met anybody, or you're around people that are all married, and so there's no one available. I don't know. So I just always think that's that question is odd. Like why aren't you married yet? You know. But I guess everybody has different reasons of why they're not married. So yeah, in the church, 
I've noticed that there is kind of that pressure to get married, to get married young, which I'm all for. I'm all I'm not talking against that. So I don't want anybody to think that I got married young, totally for it. But I think outside the church, there is the pressure among singles to not get married. What have you seen? You know, it's interesting because I've, you know, had jobs where I've accumulated a lot of friends who are, who are not believers, who are not in that. And, and we've had conversations um, surrounding that. But I, I noticed that, for me at least, from my perspective, it seems like in either circle there is that, they're kind of at a, a tipping point where it's like for a while it's culturally kind of like, yeah, you get married, you get married, we'll see. And then there is kind of that pressure like, oh, well, you know, then you, you should probably like get married or it's not even a settling thing. It's just kind of a, I think they expect it to happen. And then when it doesn't seem to be happening, uh, it definitely causes a bit of confusion. Even if you don't have a boyfriend, mm-hmm. I've noticed, um, there's almost an assumption that if you're not married, you at least have a boyfriend. You at least have somebody that you're seeing uh, or you're going along with. And when the answer is no to both questions, it's almost like you're saying you don't have a car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And they're like, why don't you have a car? Mm-hmm. Everyone has a car. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, we don't live in New York City. What are you talking about? You know? So, yeah. And it's a hard thing because you almost don't even know how to answer that question. Like, I, I just haven't found the right car and I don't want to just settle on a car. <laughs> I'm and- not going to just drive whatever <laughs> car is put in front of me. Yeah, exactly. I want to honor the car, too. So you oh, know. that's funny. <laughs> I like yeah, that. I, I, I would say that's probably the closest thing that people are just like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> so. and, and, or, or there's that look of, well, then what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. were you abused? Are you just putting things off because something bad happened? Are you divorced then if you're single and in your 30s? Like, what what happened or what's wrong with you that you're not married quite yet? And I think you're right, too. There is that shift that in culture, in the world, it, there's that push among women to chase after the career, climb the corporate ladder. But then at some point, you should be getting married. 28, 30, 32, you should now be settling down and getting married. And, and I didn't think about it that way. And I'm not sure exactly where that stemmed from. I mean, I know that the sexual revolution, it was hardcore feminism, but for me, and we're not that far apart in age, but I don't know if you ever grew up watching the TV show Friends. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so in the 90s, I wasn't a Christian, and that was, you know, the show of the day. And I think there that singleness was really glamorized of living in a high-rise apartment in the middle of New York City. You are dating someone different every weekend, and you're hanging out with your friends at the coffee shop. And I think there's that that, that was kind of romanticized, and that became, at least for me in my generation, almost all of our dreams. I don't know if you saw the same thing. You know, I think that is such a, you're kind of blowing my mind because I think that's actually such a good point. Because I remember, I remember watching Friends when it was live on air. Mm-hmm. Um, Back and, when it was on TV and not on a streaming service. <laughs> exactly. Uh, or, you know, and yeah, exactly. It wasn't a streaming service. It was live on air and you wanted to see what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember watching the finale and wondering if Ross, Ross and Rachel would end up together. But I think that's really true. I think it has been glamorized. And I think shows 
you know, further than that, almost took a nod to it um, of kind of glamorizing that single life Mm -hmm. and really putting emphasis on your friends being almost more of your companions in life or your partners in life rather than a spouse. Um, So I think that's a very good point uh, with that. I hadn't even thought about that. Now, I think that there is a difference between someone like yourself that, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but I think there's a difference between someone like yourself that has said, I am just waiting for God's best. I'm waiting for God to bring the right man at the right time, because even if it's the right man at the wrong time, it's still the wrong thing. Even, you know, if it's the right time and it's the wrong man, it's still the wrong thing. But there's a difference between you and then those that, I guess, in our feminist culture that have said, I'm not dating anyone in my expectations are so high that these men cannot reach them. And now I'm 35 regretting that I didn't stay with this guy when I was with him at 26 years old and he's a seven and now, and and I wanted a 10, but now he's married with kids and I'm alone. Like, do you see what I'm saying here that there's a difference? Oh, totally. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, the ambition of the heart and what is said in heart posture too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those decisions that you make, but I think a lot of that too is, I don't want to say that the woman who is seeking after her career is not seeking after Christ, but I do think that if she is perhaps in a way where she is rejecting some some good things Mm -hmm. that might be of God, Mm -hmm. um, she's probably a little bit more focused on things of the world Mm -hmm. than she is uh, focused on what God might have for her, you know, and she might miss those opportunities. And I do think that especially I would say in our generation, especially, there is that drive and kind of, I don't know, I would almost say pressure and weight for women to, you know, break through that glass ceiling. And so they think that, you know, in order to do that, they have to surrender and give up any hope or potential for a spouse or for, you know, a loving relationship then, uh, which I don't think that that's true. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that uh, marriage really ought to be a partnership. And if you're doing ministry, your ministry might be out on the mission field. It might be in a church or it might be in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who they lead Bible studies, you know, during lunch, uh, in their corporate jobs and that's how they're doing ministry or they're taking opportunities as they arrive. And so I think looking at to what, you know, motives of the heart, but really looking at it as partnership too. And I think a lot of women give up that, piece of partnership because they're brought into the lie that they have to choose one or the other. No, I get that. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, now let's go back to people like you though. Those that are saying I'm, I'm waiting for God's timing for his best. And you're still kind of waiting. What are some of the most frequent cliches, like single phrases that people use on you? Oh man. <laughs> Cause I'm sure you've got I a think- list. <laughs> I do have a list. Um, I could write a whole nother book on that. I would say probably one. You should. You should. I should. I do like a picture book or something. But uh, I would say number one is that when you stop looking, he'll show up. And Mm. yeah, and kind of like almost like we're playing hide and seek. And then if I just kind of give up, then he's just going to be like, here I am. Ha ha. And I'm like, I don't. 
I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> um, and because uh, I would be like, okay, on- I'm not looking, I'm not looking, when secretly I really am looking. Well, and Matt Chandler said that. Um, I remember listening to one of his um, sets. He had this theory set on the mingling of souls, and he said that he was like, people will say that's a single. No one actually totally fully stops looking. Right. They'll kind of say they have, but yes. they haven't fully just been like, all right, I'm just going to go live on a remote island alone now. You know, yes. they don't fully give up that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that's number one. I think number two is definitely, um, well, you know, have you tried one of those online dating sites? You know, and which is a uh, legit most- question. I mean, it's a legit question. Yeah. It is, it is, it's, but it's almost said in a way, kind of in the car thing, like, well, have you looked online uh, for a car? Like, you a, know. like the tone so, of it, okay, yeah. It's the tone, yeah, it's it's not so much, oh, hey, I heard this person had good success on this, it's more kind of a like, well, are you even trying, mm, you know, and, okay. have you have you even kind of looked, so I would say that's another one. So what is your um, response when you when someone asks you that? I respond in kindness, and I usually I just kind of do a, oh, well, that's good to know. I'll take note of that, you know, just kind of <laughs> a, a polite way to uh, to just offer that. But I really feel, you know, sloppy that day and just full of sass. I'll, you know, I might even offer kind of like, yeah, you know, I just don't think that's for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, if God Which would is really nice. put that on my heart mm-hmm. and incline that on me and say, I want you to go forward in this, I would. But the two times I tried that, it just didn't end well. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm not really seeking to try it again. And I don't think there's anything wrong with online dating. I, I have a lot of friends who have met on that, so I want to close that. I just don't think it's, for a personal conviction, I don't think it's for me. Yeah. Um, God, God changed that, but that's personal conviction. Um, so I would say that. I would say other ones have been um, just kind of, you know, almost in the way of like a nice way of saying, well, like, are you like, again, like, are you trying, mm-hmm. you know, are you trying to, just, have you considered, are you trying, or would you be interested in meeting, you know, this person or, um, I have had family members as well, just flat out blatantly say, well, you should just marry, you know, so-and-so, uh-huh. um, and it might, it might be a family friend or something like that. And I'm like, um, <laughs> that's not really how that works, but I appreciate right. it. Right. Right. Uh, because, yeah, because, you know, there's that whole, well, you know, they have to be interested as well, or mm-hmm. there might be a reason why that never has worked out or this, that, and the other. So there are definitely a lot of things. And then I think probably one of the harshest ones was uh, I was asked uh, the question or assumed, well, you know, some people are called the singleness, like Paul, Polly. What would you say, you know, like, are you called the singleness kind of thing? And, like, they make this assumption that I'm in Paul camp. Mm. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I haven't been told that. Uh, you know, I. You're I like, for the time being, right but now. not forever. For the time being. Yeah. But not forever. Um, and I had that happen at church. And it it was. It was. It, it, it soul wounded a little bit. Yeah. 
um, yeah, kind of that placement that's being put on you. And I, I did take that to the Lord and I was like, Hey, I just wanted to double check and make sure that's not yeah. a calling that I have. Cause I still have that desire in my heart and it's, and it's not, but it was, it was definitely that assumption that was placed upon and, um, assumed. See, um, and I've never heard someone say that before. I mean, I've heard a single people say in defense, Hey, some people are called to be single, and even Paul said X, Y, and Z. So I've never heard somebody saying that to a single person before. That's interesting. Now, here is something, a phrase that I have heard quite a bit, and honestly, the phrase frustrates me, even as a married person, and that is just trust to God's timing. And it's true. It is a true statement, so don't think that I don't believe in God's timing, Um, God knows what he's doing. Yes, I get that. But I think what I'm frustrated with is that it's almost like as the church, I feel as though we haven't done our job raising up good godly men. And now we're blaming God because of what the church necessarily didn't do in the past. Uh, Because I'm noticing a lot of girls in their 30s, they have this strong desire to get married and they're going, where are all the godly men? Like, I've been waiting. I've done everything that God has asked me to do. And yet I'm still here. And I guess so I hate that phrase, just trust God and his timing. I mean, is that something mm. that you've heard quite a bit? That's an interesting perspective on that. Because for me, I've actually taken comfort in that. Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Little... <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, you're not. No, you're fine. I think in the way of, I have taken comfort that in the way of looking at different points in my own journey mm-hmm. um, outside of, you know, relationships or, or guys or anything else where God had such intentional timing in my life, perhaps for a job or something like that, that it's almost works as like an Ebenezer reminder mm-hmm. um, to me that, hey, God does know you know, Psalm 139 says that, you know, all of our days are planned before we're even born. And I have taken comfort in that. I, That's good. One job I had uh, right out of college, I was nannying. And the family that I was nannying for was about to move away. And I was stressed out because I wasn't going to have a job. I was going to be unemployed. And literally the same day, I got a call from Apple, whom I had interviewed with six months prior. Never thought they would call me back. And they called me back and offered me a job on the spot. And I remember thinking, wow, God's timing was so precise and perfect because if they had called the day before, I would have turned them down um, because I already had a job I really liked. And so for me, with the whole idea of getting married and things, I look at it, God has a really specific timing that he might need my full attention and focus for a season of my life where I don't have a guy that I'm also... um, I don't want to say that it would be a responsibility, but it would be a different atmosphere that I would have. It would be a different set of um, things I'm focused on in that mm-hmm. season. So I, I actually find comfort in that reminder that I'm not forgotten by God, that he does have good timing. But I do agree with you that as a church, we do need to look to raise up godly men more and encourage them in their walks. And um, I really think that falls a lot on men who have you know, have the opportunity to mentor young men mm-hmm. um, and take them on their wing. And even if they don't go to church with them, just taking that special interest and they don't have to be their father to be a father figure. 
Uh, they don't have to even be that much older. I think they can walk alongside them as brethren and encourage them in the men that they're becoming and encourage them to uh, live a life of intentional pursuit of women and not treating women like they're just kind of, you know, Right. Father, a dozen, you know? Yes. So. And, and I don't want to put all the pressure on the church of, of just men. We obviously need to raise up good, godly women, too. But I just I just mm-hmm. think that there was a lack for so long that now we're trying to make up for it. So I'm going to ask you just a real and raw question. Are you lonely? Okay. Are you lonely? That's the real and raw question, but I don't mind answering that. Um, I knew you wouldn't. That's why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, it depends on the day, and I think it depends on the time of the day. But I think in a very raw and honest answer, yes, I am. I think um, it is not that God is not enough, or he is so much more than all I could ask for or imagine. But I think I am for a lot of the components of what having a spouse would be. And I've expressed that mm-hmm. to the Lord as well. And I don't think that's simple or wrong because no. you look at the garden of Eden and how it was perfection. Yeah. There was not a single flaw in the garden. And God looked at Adam who was alone and he saw he, he had a lonely ache in his heart because every animal had their counterpart, but him. Mm-hmm. And he was the only one who did not have a suitable helper. And God said that that was not good. And you look at the creation account and you look at, you know, in everything God said, it's told it's good, right? Yeah. It is utmost and it is good. But that was the first thing in all of creation God said was not good. Um, and so God had a compassionate heart towards the lonely state mm-hmm. of Adam. And, um, and I have prayed that before, before the Lord too, saying, that, you know, it's not that you're not enough God because you are more than enough, but mm-hmm. I do have that that lonely ache that I don't have a suitable helper, you know, or that I don't have the opportunity to be a suitable helper where I am in this position now. Um, so I would say, yeah, I'm uh, in a long winded way to say it. Yeah. I would say I'm lonely. Um, but I'm also hopeful because I know that on the other side of it, um, not that marriage is the end all be all, but I do think I have a perspective where, I will certainly not take it for granted yeah. or try not to. Right, where other people having, would. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, having that fulfilled. I appreciate that answer because you're right. I, I, I guess I am tired of hearing that, well, God is our everything. And yes, I get that. But it is very clear in scripture that he has created us for relationships. That doesn't necessarily mean marriage relationships, but he has created us to be in relationship with people we weren't created to be alone so i really appreciate that answer that it was real and that you know you bring that biblical perspective into it because you're right adam was lonely and god had compassion for that what have been some things that you have learned along the way while waiting i I love what you said about i'm going to appreciate marriage more i think i love that but what else I would say that I think also really seeing uh, Christ as bridegroom has been a big thing and something that God has been substantially teaching me just actually in the past few weeks. And I've been writing it down a lot. So I think it'll carry over into a future season is um, looking at Christ as bridegroom and that in Christ, God has already given us his best husband for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and because 
Christ is his best. So an, an earthly relationship, anything of earth is going to be second best then, you know? Yeah. Um, and so looking at it with that, and I think the other perspective is looking at uh, the man I will one day marry as first a son of God and therefore a brother in Christ to me, and mm-hmm. then looking at him as um, a spouse. And that's a perspective shift that God's given me here recently and just prayer life um, and how to pray for him. And I think that's a good thing to keep in mind because I know that there's that most assumption of, you know, one day when I am married, looking at him like, well, he's a husband and then he's, you know, this is his job. And then, you know, one day with kids and what have you, but really looking, no, he's a son of God. Mm-hmm. First. Yes. And then he is all these other things. So I think that's something God's taught me. I think um, God has certainly taught me patience and the willingness <laughs> to wait. And <laughs> yeah, but also seeing it in the way of, Although we live in a society where things are given so quickly and so many opportunities, there is a gift in waiting, and there is a gift in patience. And patience is so much more about trust than it is. I'm sorry, you dropped there really quick. Um, You said that it was a there's a gift in the waiting. Is that what you said? There is, yeah. Um, And I think patience is more about trust than it is anything else because you're trusting that, you know, when you're at a restaurant, you're trusting that restaurant eventually will bring you your food, Mm -hmm. even if you have to be patient for it. And so I think it's learning that trust that God will fulfill um, that desire that he has placed in your heart. So I've I've definitely learned that. I've learned, and I've learned that it's okay not to always be okay with -hmm. your current circumstances too. And giving yourself that grace and that freedom that you are not wrong for being lonely. Mm-hmm. You are not wrong for still longing for something. And I think lastly, uh, just what it actually means to really be content. I uh, found this recently, and actually through this whole book promotion season, I was very scared that promoting a marriage book while being single was going to be very hard and heavy on my heart. And what I have found on the other side of it the Lord has been so gracious in teaching me what it actually does mean to be content and season mm-hmm. while still desiring everything. And it's really just a status of gratitude. And I have a deeper heart for gratitude and the things that one day might change. And I will be okay when they do change, but enjoying them as they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of those things are small. Some of those things are, I love stretching out in my bed <laughs> and I yeah. have, my very own bed I don't share with anyone else. I mm-hmm. love that I can watch a Netflix movie and three blurps and I don't have to ask if that's okay. Yeah. You know, I, I can do those little things. And so I've tried to take every day an account of things I'm grateful for that I have now that one day will change. And when they do change, I will be okay with it because I got the full the fullness of gratitude out of each of those things while I was in the previous season. No, I think that's huge. You hit on that, that gratitude, that thankfulness. That's something we as Christians really, I don't think we practice enough. November comes around and we talk about everything that we're grateful for, but really the Bible instructs us, instructs us that we are to thank God in everything. And so taking that season of, thank, of, of singleness and saying, God, I thank you. Do you... I feel like there's a lot of mixed messages in our culture, not just in the world, but even in the church when it comes to marriage, because there's that pressure of when you should get married and that you should get married. But then there's also you see these people constantly getting divorced or hating on marriage. 
Now, I love being married. I've already told my husband if he passes away, I'm getting married again. Not because I don't love you, but because I love to be married. And so I that's my plan. <laughs> you know? But uh-huh. I feel like there's a lot of mixed messages. Do you think that's confusing for the single person? Oh, entirely. It's uh, almost in a way... It's almost, I would dare say, soul-crushing at times. Mm. Um, I have even had, and I don't, I will not reveal identities, but I had um, a couple that I was on uh, vacation with. It was like several couples and then me, you know, so I was So that was not not awkward at all. (laughs) You know, you just kind of roll with it eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I rode up with one couple and they ended up in an argument while we were in the car. And I just sat in the back, like I was nine years old and my parents were arguing and I just didn't say a word. The husband turned to me and said, you're lucky that you're single. This is what marriage is. Don't get married. In front of his wife? In front of his (gasps) wife. And yeah. And I felt so bad for her. Yes so bad for her and then it felt soul crushing too and that I tried to have ducks back and just let it roll off um and this was several years ago too but I also was like oh my gosh like that's what I heard of. I don't know you know and you kind of start to doubt yeah um but then I thought about it and I really sat with it and I'm like you know I don't think that's a good picture of what marriage is I think there are arguments, but I also think that there's how you handle that. And I think that this is an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. and that's not the same, you know, that's not the story for every single person. Right. Um, so I would say there is that kind of, when you have friends that, I mean, you're literally in a car with, you know, and they're saying stuff like that to you. That is very hard uh, to hear. And you kind of begin to worry and think, well, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Just, being single and uh, having, you know, living that friend's life, you know, right. and just doing the coffee shop thing. And, and, you know, I mean, they were fine. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, Rachel was thriving, you know, <laughs> but, um, but then I, I think I go back to it and I'm like, yeah, you know, but I don't want to just take their perspective for it because they're very different than I am. Mm-hmm. And they have a different set of, life experience and traumas and things they're battling and all kinds of different things. So just because that's their experience doesn't mean that's going to be mine. Right. Um, Yeah. And so I think that's the biggest way singles can break that of the culture is looking at that. And and I do have, I have several friends who are divorced, you know, and it's, it's loving them through that, but it's also recognizing the humanity of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And recognizing sometimes I do think, people make the mistake and they yoke themselves with people that they shouldn't have. Um, and that they learn a consequence in a hard way, but it's encouraging to see that many of those people do find healing mm-hmm. and then they turn to God and they're like, God, what, what would you have for me instead? Mm-hmm. Um, what would that look like if I didn't take the pen? Yeah. And that's been an encouraging thing to see many of those friends who are divorced kind of turn it around and, and see where God has actually used it, um, where they can then have a voice to other people who are going through divorce, you know, and maybe feeling like the the black sheep, you know. Right. 
Okay, so you wrote, you recently wrote the book, A Dear Future Husband, A Love Letter Journey While Waiting for God's Best. What made you write this book? And get, dig a little bit deeper into it about what exactly it is. Yeah, so uh, the journey started when I was 18. So again, I'm, I'm 31 now, so 18 was a lifetime ago. Um, it feels like, so when I was 18, I started writing letters to my future husband and I kept them in this little journal and then I filled up the journal and so I just started putting them in little envelopes and they all have been in this little shoe box, uh, well, it's kind of a big shoe box under my bed for well over a decade. And I started sharing that with some of my youth kids cause I've worked with youth for almost 10 years now. And then I started sharing it with some of my high school students who would come to my office and we'd have coffee. And all of the girls just, um, they love the idea of kind of that message in a bottle, writing to this one day friend, almost like a pen pal that they hadn't met yet. Mm-hmm. And so I was working on my first book uh, and we were in season for the edit process, which when you're writing a book and you're publishing a book, oh my goodness, it is a wild adventure, but it's a lot more work than anyone realizes. Yes. Um, it's not like a school assignment where you write it and you send it off. It's, yes. It's a lot, yes. you know? And so uh, in the mornings, I usually take the first half hour of my day and I attempt to the best of effort um, to really give that to God. And so usually I am making coffee and just sitting in prayer. And one particular morning, it was in November of 2021, um, I just was listening that morning. I didn't have things I was asking for. I didn't have things I was contemplating. I just was listening. And the Lord said to me, what would you think of writing a book based off your letters? And so I knew exactly what he was talking about. And, you know, I was so shocked by the question and that was so out of left field that I just, I genuinely didn't have an answer. And, uh, lo and behold, 24 hours later, November 7th, um, I got an email from my publisher and I said, you know, there was like, three paragraphs that you have about this practice that you were encouraging young women to do in the, in the whole book. And, you know, so an entire book and they pick out, you know, a page and a half, um, of this practice that I do. And I said, what would you think of writing a book based off those letters? And I about fainted because I was like, wow. Confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did hear God clearly. Um, and, and I, I didn't need any more confirmation than that than to see that that was, you know, God's heart and assignment for me. So that was really what prompted the book um, to be written. And it was a very interesting journey in writing it uh, because there was that kind of in the back of my mind and in the depth of my heart question, is God going to send him during the season of writing this? Um, and I dare say there was almost that assumption that that was going to happen. Mm. Um as for that to be the, how the book ended and everything else and how life unfolded in the process of writing it. Uh, you know, I, I didn't end married in the book and the book doesn't end um, with that, you know, almost assumed dear husband, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that was an interesting process too, that God was doing within me as I was writing it. And I think that actually, poured out over the book as well in a good way um, of some of that grappling and, you know, really raw um, questioning because it's not a memoir. It really is a book that I hope every reader, and I think even men, could see themselves in. There are 
several experiences that are relatable, that are um, kind of common things, but there are some of those questions, those, you know, conundrums of like, when is this actually going to happen? Or am I overlooked? Or I feel forlorn over this. Is that okay? Um, Mm So. The book is called Dear Future Husband, A Love Letter Journey While Waiting for God's Best. And I will make sure that I put that into the show notes as well as your website, kellylogan.com and your handles for Instagram and Facebook. But if someone is out there right now and they're kind of in that same spot that you are, maybe they're younger, maybe they're older. I've met women in their 40s who are still waiting for that husband and have yet to be married. I mean, what would you say to them right now? I would say to not discount the season you're in because your worth to the kingdom is not contingent upon you being married or unmarried. You have a worth to the kingdom, to your creator, uh, and to this world that is is not dependent on that. And that um, you are doing things in your life right now that are so marvelous that you might not have the opportunity to do if you were in a relationship. So I would say don't discount the season you're in, but also realize it's okay to desire marriage and to pray for it and to be really active in praying for that spouse and, and the person that you're becoming along the way. Mm-hmm. Because we place a lot of emphasis on praying, well, God, please send him, please do this and him. But we also have to look at the specs of our own eyes. And there's, there's a whole chapter on that. But, but looking at God, is, are there things that you need to do in me? That before you give this to me, um, that I would be prepared, that I may steward it correctly. Right. What are some of the things you want to do in me along the way so mm-hmm. that I can be, um, ultimately for you, God, I can be the person you want me to be. And then I can serve you well and I can honor your son best because you've equipped me. Um, and I go into that a lot in the book and there's a, you know, substantial with that, but that's what I would say really. And I think the last thing I would say is don't give up. Um, don't think that you somehow woke up too late to the bus and missed it and it's not coming back around for you. And don't think that you are big enough to absolutely ruin the plan that God has for your life. (laughs) No, I, I like what you said there. Just don't give up. And I think that's something that a lot of women, even men need to hear. Because they're constantly being told the cliches of singleness when really what they want to hear is hang in there. Your time is coming and don't give up. Like hang on in the waiting. And I think that's super important. So Callie, thank you so much for being here. Again, that is CallieLogan.com. Dear future husband, a love letter journey while waiting for God's plan or God's best Click that in the show notes. Make sure you get your copy today. And Callie, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. God bless y'all. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique on Purpose podcast. Remember, God has a plan and a purpose for you in your singleness. So hang in there. Make sure to check out Callie's book, Dear Future Husband in the show notes. Unique on Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you right back here next time.